sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I thought maybe I would have a little more time to collect my thoughts, but <laughs> I guess I was first month. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very good week. Uh, <clears throat> Some of the uh, sessions, especially, like ministered straight to need that I'm seeing in my own life, um, or needs. <laughs> um, it's probably uh, the first one, Dale Heisey's session on. Uh, I forget exactly what it was titled, but um, it was on uh, good communication with those around us. I mean, whether it's our family members or or uh, church brothers and sisters, or in the workplace, and yeah, so. Um, I guess what really spoke to me is uh, just in uh, communicating better with my own wife and children and uh, just seeking to you know, understand them and care enough about them to really find out what's in their hearts. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Just, yeah, just <laughs> just a lot of good stuff here. I might just mention some random notes here. You know, sometimes we have trouble speaking to uh, grace, ministering grace to others because we don't have peace in our own hearts. Or why are we... Why do we feel like we're competing with each other instead of um, instead of letting, like the verse says? I think maybe it was more in the context of Christ, but I think it also applies. It says, "He must increase, but I must decrease." 
is that our attitude with our brother, our sister, maybe our, even our family members? And then, second, well, I guess John Dee's subject was the one that has really been on my mind, too. Always rejoicing, finding a need of that in my own life. And he just went through the book of Philippians and... on on that um, a note that he brought out on Thursday which really makes a lot of sense is what is sin and someone asks you that question I mean there could be a lot of different ways to answer it but he realized that there's one basic word that really defines, really pretty much defines it, and that's selfishness. And how many times if I think about where I've missed it, and where I've failed, you can see selfishness at the root of it. <laughs> I'll just read my notes here. What is sin? Selfishness in all its forms. Total surrender is required. It's like signing our name at the bottom of a blank sheet of paper and then the Lord fills in the blanks. So just finding a need in my life for that to go deeper, to be totally surrendered, to just yield everything that I am and that I have to look to the Lord. Um, yeah. Uh, David Alspa had two evening messages. making it a priority to uh, pass on the faith to disciple, I guess my words, disciple the next generation, our children. Uh, Are we teaching them by example? He just went over a lot of a lot of uh, different very practical ways how we can and should be doing that. Yeah, maybe someone else will have some thoughts and all that. So yeah, it was just a very good week and now challenges to go home and put it into practice.
Hello, everyone. <clears throat> well, have you ever tried to pack 16 hours of preaching into five minutes? <clears throat> so anyway, um, I was blessed. It was my first time at the leadership seminar. Discipleship seminar, I guess it's called now. Um, so I will share kind of what I have is, I guess you could call it a salad of high points that spoke out to me. It's just a whole mix um, Things that spoke out to me, and just listening to Marcus already, there's things I, you know, that were refreshment just hearing them that I almost forgot about. Um, one thing that it spoke out to me, and I didn't even have it here in my notes, was that we need to put away competition. And, you know, I was just thinking, sitting here, so I'm going to be getting out one of seven brothers, here's a good chance to be competitive. You know, can I do it better than them, or are they going to be better than me? Uh, it's just a struggle in my life. Put away competition. Be who you are. Seek to be all you can for the Lord. And let other brothers, others, be what they're called to be. Put away competition. Um, there's another thought, and I think this is from John D. He said, we need to humble ourselves the whole way down so that God may exalt us in his way. And that was a... That was a, a real a challenge to me. We need to humble ourselves the whole way down. And then God can do what he will in exalting us. So most of the thoughts that I glean out of this would be geared towards fathers. Obviously, I am one. Or maybe not obviously, but I am. Um, so um, there's a lot of challenges and towards fathers, at least as it came to me. Um, this is from, I think my notes I would have here are, would be from John D. Martin, Dale Heisey, and David Osbaugh. Um, those are where I glean the most from. One thought was brought out, um, you know, Jesus was uh, the word and dwelt among us. He was the logos. Um, Ryan, you maybe we're going to speak on that. <laughs> um, he was the logos capital logo and we are to be the lowercase logo in our in our homes we are to be the word that dwells amongst our children or in your case your family fathers what are you communicating in your home to your children what are we communicating i'm going to quickly read sorry i'm going to just keep going here do we excommunicate one another. And this was a challenge. He says, excommunicating. He was speaking on communicating, and then you put the X in front of it. Do we excommunicate one another? He says, the story in many homes, do you excommunicate your family? So that was a challenge to me. If you're frustrated, you're irritated, things are, you know, uh, things got to go faster than they are, and your child throws a wrench in your gears. Do you excommunicate them? Do you grow angry at them and cut them off? <clears throat> do, we show, do we show our children that they are loved or do we ostracize them and make them feel condemned? And I don't know if he actually said children. I think it was speaking to a general. But to me it came across as children. To our children. Anger in parents is the leading cause of rebellion in children. That was a real challenge to me. 
anger in parents is the leading cause of rebellion in children. A child criticized and rejected is a prime candidate for sexual impurity. So a child that is criticized and rejected, he said, was a prime candidate for sexual immaturity or impurity. Am I too busy, too important to take time to observe my children's creations, to take time to visit or to tell a story to them? And uh, I know there's a lot of youth here. I feel welcome to interpret it, I say, as a father, but it, it goes many ways. Am I too, too busy to see their, their Lego creation, the color, the picture they drew, the, the, the coloring they did, or am I too important and don't have time for that? Do I have time to stop and tell a story or time to visit with them? One thing it was said, give your children some room to make decisions and allow them to make their own mistakes. Um, I have room to grow in that, and I think uh, some of my children would say I do. <clears throat> Too controlling. <clears throat> the other thing was said, pride and anger are twins, and they always go together. Pride and anger are twins, they always go together. So he's saying, if you're, if you're dealing with anger, it's because of pride. <clears throat> um, it was the book, God's Will for My Body, was lifted up as a good way to teach your children as they grow into adulthood. But then the thought was, was brought out, don't just give them the book, give them yourself to teach them and walk with them as they grow up. That was a challenge to me. Don't just give them the book and say, here, learn. Give them yourself. Walk with them. Teach them as they grow up. Developing biblical convictions in our children. And uh, he read, this is David Osball, he read out of Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 7. I won't take the time to read it. Um, But the last part out of seventh verse I think it is and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children this is speaking of the laws of God as a challenge to me do we plant these truths in our children's heart do I teach diligently these truths to my children avoid boring uninteresting devotional sessions in your home <laughs> that came from David Osball he doesn't let it get boring so I could imagine what his devotions are like if you know him. So that was a challenge. Don't let your devotion time get boring. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's why we have boring devotions. We're lacking the filling of the Spirit. Teach your children to honor people. And one thing he made very Emphatically, do not slander your church leadership in front of your children. And I couldn't remember, he had a, a follow-up. If you do, this will happen, but I couldn't remember what it was. Do not slander your church leadership in front of your children. And maybe that goes for all authorities. Likely does. Do we set an example of thankfulness? And, you know, it came to me, do I take time to thank my wife for the meal she made again? Or do I just, you know, take it for granted? 
Are we thankful? Do we set an example of thankfulness? <clears throat> Communication requires a relationship. Okay, so he brought out the story um, in Second Kings of the Shunammite woman. It says that she was a great woman. Um, it appears she had inspiration and took initiative to minister to Elisha and build a room for him and the other things she did. You find it interesting that in that whole story, the Shunammite woman was the one making, kind of leading the charge to minister to Elisha. And, you know, it doesn't, it, it, everything appears like it was a good godly home. And so the, um, you know, he brought out different examples how she was, she uh, communicated with her husband. Uh, she was in subjection to her husband. The son they raised up loved his dad. And he says, for that to happen, um, there needs to be communication and a good relationship. And that's, that's what I desire in our home. Communication and good relationship that my wife can feel free to uh, do what she needs to do to minister. So then there was also the topic on communication. Now this is not so much toward fathers. Um, what I already shared was for fathers. The rest of this is more general. Communicating. And that's what Dale Heisey's topics were all about. Communicating. Said here that loneliness does not come from not having people around you, but from having people around you and not being able to communicate what is important to us. And he said we we live in a communication crisis era, even though we communicate much more easily because of our technology. Loneliness does not come from not having people around you, but from having people around you and not being able to communicate what is important to us. It's very real. If people don't have confidence to share with us, what are we doing to affect that? If, if uh, others don't have confidence to share with us, what are we doing to affect that? Are we allowing them to be open and share with us? So that was, you know, that's just a snapshot. Um, you know, I thought about this. I was like, well, maybe I can just whet your appetite and you can go get, get it yourself. Um, all these messages are going to be uploaded online, they said, by the end of next week, I think. So I want to go back and hear them again. Um, so that was, that was the high points, and I missed some too. I missed a lot. But the prayer and sharing time was very good. And I can't say over the pulpit what how good that was. But anyway, I was blessed. And hope you're too. Well, blessings to everyone. When you have, and you've probably been in this place yourself, many of you here, when you have, and I guess I didn't hear the for, the for sure number, somewhere between 300 and 350 men maybe, when you have 350 men travel many miles, 
you know they're there because they want to be and they made a sacrifice and and so when you get a group of men together like that the singing I couldn't think of a better word than say it was charged and when you have that kind of singing then the preaching is inspired I mean it just draws it out of the preacher and when you have inspired preaching you have effects right you have men blowing their nose and there's tears running down their cheeks and and God is in the midst that's how it was and you can just imagine the rest the Lord or Providence or whatever you want to put in there I was sick the first day I wanted to be there I drove all the way back there knowing that I'm not feeling the greatest and and so I spent the first day in the motel room listening. But you know what? Even there, the tears came down my cheeks, and I responded and made, did some homework. I thank God for that. Praise be to God. Glory to God. I got better by the second day or by Wednesday. And I was able to go, even though I still felt, didn't feel the greatest, still to this moment have a little bit of a, a remnants of it sticking in me. But Dale, as you know, so beautifully uh, lifted up Christ as our example in this matter of communication. And gave many touching and uh, inspiring stories and illustrations as as you know he can do, Brother Dale. It was said of Jesus that John said, we beheld his glory. And if you just think of glory, that something bright, something shining, something attractive, what was it? He was full of grace and truth. It was said of Jesus by the officers that never a man spake like this man. He was heard saying to this woman called in a serious sin, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He talked to a man that was kind of out on a limb and, and, and pretty far away because he couldn't see, but he said to him, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. That man that was quite a distance away, it says he made haste and joyfully took him in. What was it? That is a challenge to me. I want to be like that. That when people are at a distance, they, by, my, by my communication, they could make haste and come down. Instead of Jesus, all bear witness and wondered. They admired and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Those teachings were staggering. It would do us all good to get a copy of those and listen to those. Earl Hurst was one of the teachers. He was the second teacher, and he taught on the importance and value of identity. 
which some of us, I think we have to admit, we kind of chafed under that in life. But I think, I, I think Earl brought a real good uh, revival. Uh, that's not the right word, but just a reminder, a good teaching on that for, for me and I'm sure for many. And he also, he preached three, three messages or four. I guess I wasn't there. I didn't hear the last one. I came home on Friday, but listened in to some of the teaching as I traveled home. Um, but then he also, very, very, in a very good way, talked about the things that he sees looming on the horizon for God's people, especially the, uh, the conservative Anabaptist world that we, it seems in the past, maybe we could kind of hide under the um the umbrella or the big picture and we have all these exemptions you know the Amish and Mennonites and we get exemptions for different governmental things and this and that but he feels those things are going to be challenged at least and maybe maybe taken away from from us in the not so far future and uh, that was both encouraging and sobering as I thought about that Jesus said watch and pray and he that endures to the end shall be saved. Many things stood out to me in John Dee's teaching, always rejoicing. I guess the one thing that came to my mind as I thought about it here a little bit was one thing in particular. He said the thing, uh, he said, uh, do I look at life's challenges through Christ? Or do I look at Christ through life's challenges? You get the difference? Do I look at do I look at life's challenges, my problems, through Christ? Or do I look at Christ through my problems? And he said when we do when we look at life's challenges through Christ, it makes our problems smaller because we see Christ. If we look at, at our problems and say, Christ, where are you? Or faintly we see him through our problems, it makes the problem look big. So that was a very good reminder for me. And then praying and sharing, you can just imagine after such a inspiring time, preaching and teaching and sharing and just being there with men that were not there just to have a, a fun time, but they were there to seek God. Praying and sharing was a time of tears, sharing, yes, even grown men. Praise God. Well, I was very grateful for the chance to go out to Burn again this year. I know many of you have been there um, at some point, and uh, it's just, uh, it's contagious. It's just, it's very powerful. Um, even just the singing, the singing alone, as was mentioned, is, 
is reason enough to uh, to make the trip out there. Uh, what to say? It is it is difficult. There's there's so much that could be said. I think one thing that that really struck me was the the power of the church, the beauty of of the church of Jesus Christ, and that going into the meetings, uh, that wasn't something that I wasn't I wasn't struggling with that. That wasn't um, a doubt in my mind, but I think that uh, being there this week, it just uh, it it strengthened that even more. My my love for the what God's trying to do in in His church, I think that was that was just really strengthened. I think that that came out in in a lot of the messages, all of them really, in in some way or another. I might just mention a, a few things, just maybe from John D's messages. Um, he was preaching through uh, Philippians. I think that was has been mentioned already. Um, we all we all stand amazed. I I think I hope I know we do at what the Lord has has done in our lives and our hearts. The um, that He's had mercy on us. He's brought life. He's brought sight. And. I think in that in that um, place in our hearts where we all see that and feel that we we love the Lord. I mean, we want to we want to walk in His ways, and uh, we want to we want to obey Him. And we all know that's that's not always easy. That uh, the the self is so tricky; it just it doesn't want to stay on the cross. Um. And and the church, the the, the brotherhood, uh, I think I think that's that's what it's there for. We need each other. We desperately need each other. Uh, John D said that in a in one way that that really struck me. I hadn't thought about it this way. Maybe exactly that. Uh, let me see. Where is it here? That the the church, the brotherhood, is it's a tremendous reservoir of of grace. That that all the power of heaven, the the grace of God, it's just He's waiting to pour that into our lives, and and the church is 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 one way that He does that through our brothers. We often we we have exceptions, excuses. We I I just can't forgive that person. I mean, I understand. I I I need to forgive, but no, not there. I you, you don't understand. It's it's different, or you know, whatever whatever it might be. Um, I know I find myself in that place. I I think we all can relate to that. And John D just reminded us that. Uh, 
there is grace to help us. That there's a power available, not from ourselves. If we will, if we will humble ourselves to accept it, and maybe oftentimes that that comes through through the church, through our through our brothers, through our our ministers. And so he just really, really lifted that up, the, the fellowship of, of the gospel, Paul says here at the beginning of Philippians. Um, that our, our circumstances don't matter. Bad circumstances are, are opportunities if we, have, if we have the right mind, the right mindset. Uh, another thing he said that struck me was that the Romans the Romans didn't put Paul in prison Jesus put Paul in prison that he had he had a, he had a work for him to do there and in all of our lives uh Sometimes things don't, they don't look good. They, they don't, they're not how we wanted things to turn out. And we can have a confidence in that, that the Lord has a work for us in, in whatever that might be, whatever it might look like, that we didn't fall upon hard luck, that Jesus has us there for, uh, for a reason. He has a work for us to do. He says here, Paul, at the beginning of Philippians, that being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's talking to the church there. And I think Dale also mentioned a a similar verse from uh, Corinthians, which he brought up the point Dale did there in Corinthians that isn't that amazing that Paul could say that, that he could have that, that confidence in the church there, given everything that had happened? And I think John D. kind of also touched on this here in Philippians, that um, when we relate to the church, we can have that, that confidence that, that Jesus is building his church. And maybe sometimes there's a desperation. We feel like we need to build the church. And that just really blessed me that, that I could have that confidence. I, I don't think I always do. I think I, I think I need to grow in that way. To have that confidence in the church. That the Lord will build the church. And... I have the opportunity to just to humble myself and to walk in his ways. I'll just leave it at that.
Good morning. Well, <clears throat> I wrote down my words this morning so I wouldn't get confused. <laughs> Very good to be with everyone this morning. Hmm. All right, so I just have to read this. <laughs> uh, all right. Hmm. I must say, I did not imagine what an encouragement burn would be to me and my family. Personally, I have struggled with loneliness for. Uh, long time. Uh, did not imagine uh, well, that that would come up last week. <laughs> or what truth would be shared about it. And what hope I could uh, receive from that. But let me share a little bit, I suppose, of how, how I see things at times. I'll, I'll try. <clears throat> uh, this time with brothers, to my mind, brought to mind, to me, an emergency room. As I think back and look and sit in there, uh, in that memory, I can see men coming in, some wounded, some helping others. Uh, others dragging themselves in through the door burdened and heavy but all seeking healing now I must say that we serve a mighty God and the chief, chief physician with healing hands like no other as I watched grace be administered these days Grace was applied and mercy began to flow. Brothers received treatment and healing began. With many, the physician was amongst us, busy ministering to our need, cleaning out old wounds, reviving other brothers crushed under their weariness, and setting many on a course of healing. Grace was applied. Now, sadly, it is possible that some may have refused the physician's care. In this time, uh, or resisted his treatments, as we all can imagine, what hope can one who refuses the care in an emergency room have? This is more of a warning to my own heart than anything else an encouragement not to resist his prescribed treatment to trust his healing to trust his healing hands and receive his grace and let love's, love's flame burst forth. 
some brothers and sisters may find my words speaking to them. And I hope, if they do, that they would lift your heart. But let me assure you all, what I have shared with you this morning, its subject, its focus, was directed toward my own heart. Its struggles and its own old wounds and its hope. Oh, let us live in the fullness of Christ together. How great is his goodness. God bless you all. And God's peace be with all of you. I'll be honest, I don't really know where to start. Uh, <laughs> there was so much. As Vernon said, how do, you, how do you pack 16 hours of sermons into five minutes? I don't think it's possible, let alone all the, all the testimonies and the conversations and the prayer time, too. It's hours and hours. It's a lot of, lots of things to think about. But <laughs> I think about an apply. So, one of the things that really stuck with me was I really enjoyed Dale Heisey's messages on, I think you call it communication that fosters harmonious fellowship. I think that's what he called it. So, that, that one just all week was really good. He talked about, like, um, really stuck with me, talked about with Christ that we're supposed to be Christ to others. Not only is not only am I supposed to be Christ to Vernon, Vernon's Christ to me. And not only is Reuben, am I Christ to Reuben, Reuben's Christ to me. Like, and that we're supposed to be it little Christs. And that that was really interesting. He brought out uh, the high priestly prayer from John seventeen. And he's he took Christ and he replaced it with someone's name. And he just went through the whole thing. And that was, that was so interesting. I'd never, never looked at it that way. That was, that was good. And he talked about like humility, his, um, how the importance of that. So it's like, if I come parachuting down to you, like that's not the way that Christ came down, and that's not the way we're supposed to come down. And so that was, that was really good. I really, like... Do I have that humility that Christ had? And John D. brought some of that out too. They're like, you know, Christ was, um, he did criticize at times. But he, when he criticized, he said he probably had tears coming down his face as he was saying these things. And you know, it brought after, after he went and he wept over Jerusalem. So that was, that was really good too. And that, also, we have to. We need to prefer one another over ourselves. I prefer Reuben over myself, and that—that's, yeah. That was also good. I I enjoyed that. I thought I could 
really apply that to my myself. Mm. Let's see. Our communication needs to minister life, life to the other person. When I talk to someone, when I leave, they need to be a better person than when I started talking to them. And that, yeah, Dale has he also brought that out. That was good. Communication can be a great blessing, and but sometimes it can cause fragmentation and discord. And having having true humility helps that. And you know, out of the see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, if you have pride in your heart, you know, someone brought up like, how do you how do you keep that from how do you keep someone from getting that uh, feeling of coming parachuting down to you? reality is, uh, I don't think you can. It's not supposed to be there in the first place. You're not... Um, let's see. Where else? Mm. Yeah, he did talk. He talked a lot about humility and communication. That's... Or I just noted that down because that applied to me so much. He also brought out there's no truth without love. And there's no, like they're, they're one. Truth and love are one. You know, it reminded me of something else he said. Is, it's truth without love kills and love without truth tells a lie. But, mm, see, he also brought out Colossians 4, 6. And there's... Your grace and salt need to be in our communication. We're not supposed to condemn our brothers. His definition of communication was a sincere attempt to understand, to learn to speak while listening. So... Yeah, that was his definition of communication. So he also brought out so. He, he had divided his messages into different things. And it was, uh, one was on teams. That one really spoke to me because I'm not a team player at all. So I needed that one. But, and I need to grow in that area. But he also brought out in, he said, what, what Christ did best alone, we do best corporately as a brotherhood. We do best corporately what Christ did alone. That was interesting, too, because, you know, like, yeah, you can't do it on your own. You know, one of the guys I was talking to about team, like, just, I was talking about some of my struggles with him and um, being on a team. And he said, you know, there's uh, a team of horses. The math doesn't add up. One horse can pull about 1,500 pounds alone. But two horses can pull, like, 10, 10,000 pounds and that the math doesn't add up. And I think that as a brotherhood, we, that it's, it's kind of the same way. 
where there's what we can do on our own, but then there's what we can do as a brotherhood. So. And also, I, I got to see a part, you know, I got to hear a lot of, a lot of people's testimonies, and that was, that was touching and really good for, for me personally. I also got to see a part of Dad that I didn't usually get to. I enjoyed a lot of the, you know, I don't have a family, but someday maybe. I enjoyed a lot of those messages by David Osband. Those were good. It was really good, so I wrote those down. But, yeah, that's just some of my highlights and some of what touched my heart. Having the opportunity of going, I was there three years ago and uh, didn't go the last two years, and this year was able to go again. So uh, I was very blessed being there with I don't know how many other men, just uh, seeking God's face and uh, listening to what He has to speak to me. One thing about being kind of last on the list here is everything was, or a lot of the main points were said already. So I kind of feel like I could have just said ditto and everything would have been. You know, I just agreed with her. You know, a lot of the good points were mentioned, but uh, probably the session that spoke to me the most was Dale Heise's on communication. Which probably some of that reason is because communication is such an intricate or an aspect of our life that we deal with every day, communicating through work, through our families, whatever, and uh, and it's such a major part of our life. And Dale has a very, very good uh, way of. <clears throat> And bring out the importance of communication and how we can so easily start um, letting that be a roadblock in our lives when we don't learn how to communicate. So one thing that uh, kind of was a little bit of an eye-opener to me or a little bit of almost uh, a scary thought was, you know, we talk about communication, we talk about communicating and communicating to our family, our children, our wives and our uh, the people around us. <clears throat> But when we think of excommunicating, I think Laverne, I mean, Vernon talked about this a bit. It's a little bit of a different definition in our minds for some reason than just not communicating, but really it isn't. And if you think of how we as Christians need to be led by the still small voice by God, and if we cut that off, we don't continue that communication, we ultimately excommunicate God out of our lives. And that's kind of a sobering thought because a lot of us have a definition of excommunication and what that all entails, and it's kind of a cutting off, but really it's just a lack of communication. We're not communicating with them. And how important that is, the question comes to me, am I excommunicating God out of my life, that still small voice? And what for impact that has and how dangerous that is. And then that goes on, on into my everyday life, my family, my children, do I just talk or do I communicate? There is a difference between just talking and there's a difference between communicating and how important that is. Do the people around me find my approval, you could say, or acceptance by the things that they do or by good behavior or an accomplishment? Or do I have the attitude of Christ that it isn't necessarily that? We are approved by Christ because we're humans. 
for his children. And it's not something that we can do. And do I condescend to, to my brother or my sister um, and come, come to them in a condescending way that I am higher than them, better than them, whatever. And that just cuts communication off so fast and ultimately inhibits our testimony for Christ if we, if we have that attitude. <clears throat> it's not by good behavior that we can give somebody approval or acceptance. It's because they're a person like me that needs to be brought along, needs, to, needs help a lot of times. <clears throat> I think the quote was uh, quoted before about loneliness. How many of us do live in loneliness? Simply not being able to communicate how we feel. And like, like I think was said before, that loneliness doesn't come from just having no people around. And can I find myself in a spot or in a place or in an attitude where people, my family, my neighbors, my children, my brothers and sisters, have the ability to share how they actually feel? And that is what Jesus did. The lowest, the sinners, they were the ones that felt comfortable enough, or he was the one they felt comfortable enough talking to because of his attitude, because of the way how he communicated. He had the entire, he was way better than them. You know, he was God come in the flesh, but he didn't give them that feeling. How can I give somebody a feeling that I'm better than them and I'm not even God come in the flesh? You could say, I'm a, I'm a poor sinner like they are. And that, that was a real challenge to me. I want to be able, I want to have that attitude where people can feel, and especially brothers and sisters and family and children and the people I, I work with and I'm around, that, uh, that I'm no better. I'm just, we, we're just people saved by grace. A lot, of, a lot of times, toleration. Sometimes we say, I tolerate this or that or that person or whatever. Really, it's just controlled hatred. It's kind of the definition of toleration. It's controlled hatred is what it is. When I have an attitude that I'm tolerating, especially people, um, animals, you could almost get a, a justification for sometimes. Maybe not quite, but uh, especially <laughs> Maybe that's not right. No, there's no justification for toleration. But uh, um, especially people, don't ever tolerate someone because it's just controlled hatred, which comes from pride. And uh, so there were many good things, but those were some of the things that I know I want to work on is my, is my communication to where I give a Christ-like spirit and uh, where people, where I, where I see my need is communication, not just being able to talk, but actually communicating with somebody else. That's how we can be the light of Christ. <clears throat>